0: That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire Sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire Sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 119. As I am joined by Anthony Servino of the Gridiron Experts and the FF Face Off podcast to talk some fantasy football latest news and. Some late waiver wire guys to take keep an eye on for NFL Week One action. Before we get into that, let me talk to you about a great new website for your NFL DFS needs: thequantedge.com. Are you tired of getting crushed by the pros, DFS players, and sports betters? Listen up! Thequantedge.com has the tools you need to play like a pro. With our lineup optimizer, injury tool, wide receiver cornerback matchups, and head-to-head tool, you'll be armed with everything you need to win. Make up to 150 lineups in seconds. See matchups to exploit and compare players to help you make the right decision you're on the fence about at the quantedge.com. You'll get exclusive access to our industry experts, articles, podcasts, and the TQE community by participating in the premium membership chat. We at Benched with Bubba have a special deal for our loyal listeners. Using promo code Benched, B E N C H E D, you'll get $10 off your first month. That's right. Use promo code Benched, B E N C H E D, to get $10 off your first month at thequantedge.com. So go to thequantedge.com and sign up today with promo code Benched, B E N C H E D. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. And welcome back everybody to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode one nineteen. Got to talk some fantasy football and get you ready for Week One action. In order to do so, I am joined by a member of the Gridiron Experts. You can hear him on the FF Face Off and on Twitter at the Real NFL Guru, Anthony Servino. How are we doing, Anthony? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks uh, for joining me. Did I mention? Did I forget uh, anywhere? That you are working, I know those two for sure.
2: Um, I do a little bit of work over at Fantasy Pros. I, I cover the uh, the NFC South for them.
1: Okay, perfect. So check them out there as well. We'll be using some Fantasy Pros ADPs a little later, um, and then towards the end, I'll let you plug the the, the crap out of all your face off and all that good stuff because you you guys do a lot of fun stuff over there. Um, let's get into some player news real quick. Kick it off with Levy on Bell. Um, I've been kind of a proponent that. I'm okay with him sitting out the year for his case. For our case, not so much. But um, he didn't show up today. Many thought he'd show up to camp today or first practice of week one. He didn't make it. How, what's your thoughts kind of on the Lev Bell situation? And if you still have drafts in the next couple of days, how do you approach him?
2: You know, I've been low on Lev on Bell since Todd Haley left the Steelers. And I've been low on the Steelers as a whole because, you know – People make big deals about offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators like Kyle Shanahan. And he's the talk of the town. and He's going to change everything for the 49ers. Well, when a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers loses a, a decorated offensive coordinator like Tom Haley, it makes me pump the brakes a little bit, especially when there's an inexperienced quarterback coach coming in. Le'Veon Belknott being with the Steelers is no surprise. He, it doesn't seem like, to me, he's heavily invested in winning. He's heavily invested in himself, and it was evident last year during the playoffs when the Steelers laid an egg against the Jaguars. Le'Veon Bell, a few days before the game, rather than talking about the game or something relevant, he was already talking about holding out this year if he didn't get a deal. So a player like Le'Veon Bell, I have him ranked number four out of the big four running backs.
1: Okay, yeah, no, I like that a lot. Um, him, yeah, because I haven't touched him Right. zero shares of Le'Veon Bell right now. If you're going into a draft the next couple days, where does that move James Conner? It, does it shift him at all, or are you still kind of a late-round guy with James, or uh, is he moving up your board, your board at all?
2: He's really just a handcuff and, and undraftable, okay. really.
1: Okay. It's kind of, I figured you'd go with it. Uh, let's talk about another running back situation. We'll come to San Francisco. <laughs> uh, if you've been living under a rock, you might not have heard this, but everywhere else, the fantasy world shattered when Jarek McKinnon tore his ACL on a non-contact injury. Uh, over the weekend so now everyone you know at first Alfred Morris was a running joke and now everybody's running to draft him or pick him up off the waiver wire you got Matt and Breida coming back here shortly how do you look at the Niners backfield uh, going into the season
2: I think Alfred Morris is going to have a key role I think he's going to be a a key player on early downs but Breida is the guy to own for fantasy I would say in standard formats if you want to take Alfred Morris and and maybe count on him as a flex play or a matchup play. That's fine, but I, I think this is going to be Breed's backfield. He's versatile. Alfred Morris is a, an absolute zero in a passing game, and we all know that Kyle Shanahan loves to employ a bat, a running back, uh, in passing routes.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I think Breed is going to have a big role. It's weird because I've heard the comparisons that um, it's going to be like uh, Tevin Coleman. And, uh, and and yeah, they form or not for but Freeman over there in um, Atlanta, and I think that's just silly. But maybe a little more so what McKinnon and Latavius Murray were in Minnesota. Does that sound more possible?
2: I think that is quite possible. But Alfred Morris, what, what gets underlooked, running behind a Cowboys offensive line that was subpar last year for them, he still averaged four point eight yards per carry.
1: Yeah, he was still very very good there uh let's talk about the san diego chargers this is one that everyone saw coming and then it didn't look like it's going to happen towards the end and then right away training camp's over week one practice antonio gates is a san diego charger now we know he's pretty much going to be there for that red zone end zone target but him being on that team does does he become fantasy relevant to you or is it still just like no
2: I think Antonio Gates is, is fantasy relevant to a point. It was evident in the past, in, in, in the last few years of Gates' career, uh, ever since uh, Hunter Henry was brought to the team, that uh, Gates has lost a step. And all he's going to be for, for Philip Rivers is a red zone target. I can't see Gates having a tremendous impact like he had, you know, three, four, five years ago.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. When, when you're looking at him, he's going to be like that inside the 10 guy you're going to look at in the end zone. So you're going to need it's him to
2: – yeah. I was going to say, Antonio Gates is a comfort factor with Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. I think what gets overlooked is that Philip Rivers has always had a Pro Bowl tight end, whether it's Antonio Gates or Hunter Henry. Yep. Going into 2018 without uh, an upside tight end would, would really uh, concern me.
1: Yeah, that's why it was weird. I, I thought they would have brought him in earlier just to kind of do it, but obviously they don't need reps together. They have that figured out pretty well. But um, everyone was talking, okay, Mike Williams is going to be the benefactor here. Tyrell Williams, some people like, as like a long shot if someone gets hurt. You obviously have Keenan Allen and Gordon and even Eckler. They have a talented offense. So, do you think that affects Mike Williams the most, or is Mike Williams going to be okay since he's just kind of a, a red zone target?
2: I'm kind of down on Mike Williams. I, I, I didn't like – how he started his career obviously with the back injury in his first practice. And he wasn't very effective when he was in there. I like Tyrell over Mike and that's how I'm ranking them. If I mm-hmm. had to take somebody other than Keenan, uh, Keenan Allen, it's going to be Tyrell Williams. But Gates is more or less going to, like I said, be that factor in a red zone and that's going to take targets away from Mike Williams.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I like that a lot. Um, if you had to, if you just mentioned your rankings, I don't know if you've updated them since Gates came out, where would you look at uh, Gates in tight end ranking?
2: I have Gates ranked as my tight end 25. He's better left on guess, waivers. Yeah. But okay. if you're in any league where you can start two tight ends, then I would consider an Antonio Gates.
1: So Yeah, he's streamable. Maybe uh, something like that. Uh, he could be used. Let's talk about the New England backfield. We know Burkett had his knee injuries. Sonny michelle has got his. But everyone's starting to say, okay, with Edelman out, they're still going to be passing. Burkett's moving back up the ladder. Um, how do you approach things? If Sonny Michelle is back at practice now, likely not playing week one, but still could be a very, very big impact on the season.
2: I have quite a bit of Sonia Michelle and Rex Burkhead stock. I even have a little bit of Jeremy Hill and James White. I am one of those people who attacks the Patriots' backfield because they always seem to fall to a value because people don't want to touch them because of the uncertainty. I know in the past it was the year when, when Blunt went off. I ended up getting, in one of my 14-team drafts, LeGarrette Blunt and James White in the last two rounds. That basically let me coast to the playoffs when you get value like that. So I like to, to double down in deeper leagues. I'll double down on the Patriots' backfield, uh, even in best ball. That's a good strategy. But I have a plenty of Rex Burkhead and Michelle, and I think they're going to complement each other, if anything. They're two different players. Rex Burkhead could line up as a wide receiver in a slot. He could run between the tackles to the outside, where Sony Michelle is more of that number two back like he played in college to Nick Chubb.
1: No, I like that a lot. I took a lot of Michelle when he, his value started showing up as he dropped in drafts because people were were worried about the injury or the timeshare. I, like, I agree with you. I think him and Burkhead can easily be a yin, yin and a yang there. We've seen it work time and time again in the NFL, especially in New England, with multiple backs. So I think that's a very good point there. You mentioned Jeremy Hill, and this is a name that's kind of popped up recently. Even if it's for the first you know couple of weeks until everyone gets healthy, is he a guy that's kind of, I guess we could save him for later, is he a guy to kind of pick up now? Run with say you had Jerick McKinnon and then figure it out later.
2: If you have the roster spot, I would take a shot on him because he's that type of player. I mean, earlier in his career, what did he have? Twenty eight or thirty touchdowns in his first three years. Yeah, he's an early down. He's an early down or short yardage down running back, and that's exactly what the Patriots going to give him.
1: Okay, all I like it. But
2: you can't consider him for anything more than that.
1: Yeah, exactly. I just I was actually surprised over the weekend seeing how much between the fantasy community and the analysts and everything, how much Jeremy Hill love came out there because I I really thought there's other guys. If I if I'm digging that deep into the barrel, I figure there's other options I'm probably going to go to. And um, I was just surprised and I wanted to see what you had to say about it. Let's talk uh, the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz still not cleared to practice. They're still they're expecting him back. Hopefully, you know we three or four, maybe week two if he gets lucky, but he's not clear to practice. Nick Foles is announced the starter this morning. You know, Foles, he had the great run last year. Preseason hasn't looked great. Do you see this affecting their offense at all? And how do you look at Wentz going forward? Because even if you look at ADPs right now, he's still a top seven receiver or quarterback.
2: I have Carson Wentz ranked outside of my top 12. I have him as a French QB one, as my QB 13. And this was before... We knew he was going to be inactive. I've been down on Wednes kind of all off season because in the first two years of his career, remember his rookie year, he didn't put up the production he put up last year. He's also never passed for more than 3,800 yards, and, and also in his rookie year, the 14 interceptions. So we've seen two very different quarterbacks, and, and to me, is he more or less somebody in the middle to where maybe he's not a 32-touchdown guy Maybe he's a you know a twenty twenty seven touchdown guy, ten interceptions. All of a sudden, you know, you have to subtract fantasy points from the interception column. Then he is falling into that you know that third tier quarterbacks for me. And yeah. Nick Foles, ah, there's no Alshon Jeffrey. Nelson mm-hmm. Aguilar is banged up. I think even Ajay is a little banged up. Even though Doug Peterson said he's going to play, I- I'm worried. I think the Atlanta Falcons are going to go to Philadelphia. I think they're going to go into the link and punch the Philadelphia Eagles in the mouth.
1: Yep, I wouldn't be surprised by that. You know, the normal Super Bowl hangover, they get their, their rings and everything, and then you throw that, that mess of an offense. Like, the, the talent we know is there, but none of it's healthy, like you said. So it'll be very interesting to see how it all comes together. Um, would you be surprised if, you know, Carson Wentz, the fact that keeps getting pushed back and pushed back, it has, like, an eerie feeling of Andrew Luck last year. I don't know why. I
2: I said the same thing on on the face-off the other day on our last show. I said, and I even tweeted this, it reminds me of Andrew Luck.
1: Yeah, and People are jumping down my
2: throat for it, but hey, I mean, he's still not clear for contact a few days before the season. All of a sudden, we could very well see Adam Schefter come on, breaking news, Andrew Mm -hmm. Luck, uh, I mean, Carson Wentz is on the pup list. That could happen.
1: Yeah, because how crazy is it? Deshaun Jackson had the same injury close to the same time, and he's back ready to rock and roll. And, yeah, Carson Wentz, like you said, can't even have contact yet. Pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty crazy. Let's go to Indianapolis. Speaking of Andrew Luck, he is at practice on Monday. He should be good to go for week one, which is good to see. And his running back, Jordan Wilkins, is the starting running back for week one. We've heard about him, Naheem Himes, Marlon Max Hurt. Do you care to take a piece of the Indianapolis running back situation or just kind of one you just want to stay away from?
2: I'm almost completely fading the Colts' backfield right now. It, it, it's just I, I had a little bit of stock in in Naheem Hines before the preseason when he laid an egg, but I can't trust it. I can't trust any one of them because I, I don't think one back had a positive report really.
1: No, they all had like their own moments it seemed like, and everyone you know wants them to be great, but – You know, they didn't really have the the top pedigree coming out of college to begin with. They are good. I'm not saying they weren't good, but they weren't these elite Sony Michelle types or something. So it's kind of tough to run with. And you'd have to imagine when Max healthy, they're still going to put him in the mix too. So it'd be really interesting there.
2: You have to think that the fact that the Colts are still hanging on to uh, Christine Michael and and Robert Mm -hmm. Turbin – even with the suspension, usually a team will move on from a Robert Turbin. It's not like he, he's a, a mass producer, and when you pair that with an extension, you think you want to give a, a young body a shot. I think Robert Turbin's going to have a role when he comes back. I think the Colts want to be smart.
1: No, I, I don't think, think they trust
2: their backfield.
1: I think you're 100% correct. Uh, there's a reason why like he have so many pieces still in that backfield, and, and that makes a lot of sense there. Let's go to Seattle. This is an interesting situation for many reasons. As you know, you already have Doug Baldwin, who's already said he's going to be eighty-five percent the rest of the year at best. Um, they have that interesting situation. They paid Tyler Lockett, but now Ed Dixon, who they kind of brought in as this kind of passing tight or blocking tight end, and could help uh, in the in the passing game a little bit. He's already going to go. He's out to start the season. So now you got Nick Vanette, who I'm not saying his lights out great or anything, but he's a starting tight end for a team that might be playing from behind quite a bit. Does he tickle your fancy at all?
2: I want to buy into Nick Vanette, but he, he's almost in that tier of Steelers tight ends for me where I'm just not touching him. Maybe he'll return value, but it was Jimmy Graham. It wasn't like there was a you know a Tyler Croft that Russell Wilson was throwing to. It was Jimmy Graham, and, and while he regressed, he was still one of the best tight ends in the league. So, yeah, I don't think Nick Vanette can step in it and quite make any type of an impact that we want on a fantasy team. I did like Ed Dixon because yeah. he has flashed and he's an athletic tight end, but he's all he's banged up. He's on a non-football injury list.
1: Yeah, that's what surprised me because, you know, it looked like it was going to be – the two of them, no problems. I did not even see Dixon hurt. And then all of a sudden, boom, right. he's on the non-injury list. I'm like, where the heck did that come from? Because, you know, like you said, he has flashed at times. He, he can stretch the field out a little bit. He's old, but he can still get it done. And I was surprised by that.
2: You no, know, what do you think about Brandon Marshall? Because ever since Brandon Marshall signed with the, with the Seahawks, I thought it made all the sense in the world. And I've gotten killed for hanging on to Brandon Marshall. And I've continued to draft him, especially in, in best ball. Because he's a Mr. Irrelevant pick. Nobody wants to touch him. Yeah. But all of a sudden, he's he's not only made the team, but he's probably going to have a role.
1: Oh, he's going to have a huge What's the scary uh, – the weird part, because at first I'm thinking, okay, they kind of brought him to be that end zone target Jimmy Graham. Like, I'm going to be there inside the 10, which in best ball for the end zone, 10 points plus a week. I love it. But now you're looking at him. He's actually healthy. There's – believe what reports do you want to believe in the camp things are looking good. They sign lock to pretty much be out of the slot or either, or like, they can both put there on the outside. I think he's going to be way more productive than people think. I, I know what you're talking about. Cause I've heard not many positive things about Brandon Marshall this last season, not many at all. So you've definitely planted a flag in that one. And if it hits, like you said for Mr. Irrelevant, the last round for what you're picking at that point in a draft to take a guy that's a starting Wide receiver in an offense again. He's gonna have to throw a ton. I don't hate it. He was very good his last time he got a shot to be that guy, and he'll be that guy again. So I don't hate it at all. It's just, it's just not nearly as flashy as people think. And I think they want Brandon Marshall to kind of go away. But I think for what you did, last pick, late rounds, I don't, I don't think it's a problem at all.
2: You know, I, I'm. I think uh, the majority of the fantasy community they like to take a shot on, and, and they want to look like a genius. And well, let me take a, a seventh round rookie with this yeah. pick. Let me take the, the the veteran receiver who's been there, done that, and it, it has the best quarterback that he's ever had throwing to him.
1: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. So, like most of the time, I'll draft depending on what's going on. Like I took some Sony Michelle shares because he dropped. Like certain rookies, value wise, okay, I'll play with. Most of the time, I like that guy there. That I've, I've seen that peak, and I know the floor is here. I, I, I'd i almost go to battle with that all day long. And uh, I even had a guy argue with my in my home league about why do you take kind of the basic guys? I said, well, the basic guys, when they just show up, my team will get me 90-plus points. When they really play well, they're going to whoop you. Exactly. So, exactly. <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> that's what I do. But So I'm with you. I think that's a great take, uh, and you don't see it very many places. So – And I I 100% agree, but if it's baseball, which I cover a lot, and football, the new name, the flashy new toy, that's where everybody wants to go. So dead on there. Let's talk a piece of news. We'll talk a couple quarterbacks real quick, but one that surprised me a lot over the weekend, and this could just be coach speak to tell basically Jameis Winston to get his mind right and his stuff together, but they're already coming out and saying when he comes back, there's no guaranteed starting position for him, which I find hard to believe. But, you know, maybe if they don't want to re-sign him and they're winning games, it is what it is. Do you buy into this at all? Uh, it,
2: I want to buy into it as a football guy, taking fantasy out of it, because Jameis Winston hasn't done very mm-hmm. much. Uh, I believe it. You know, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's one of those, you know, one, if he can get that confidence built up and he goes on a tear and you're a dirt cutter and Jason licked. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, I, I know they have extensions, but they're, they're on the hot seat, right? you got go to go with who's going to win you games. And this is why I've been down on Ronald Jones since the draft is because look at how the, the Buccaneers handled Cameron Bray and O.J. Howard last year. Who cares if you were the first round pick? Cameron Bray, we're comfortable with you. You're a dirt cutter guy. You're going to go out and produce. And I've been beating the Peyton Barber drum all offseason long. So I think they're going to go with the guys who were going to work and win over the te- over the first round pedigree.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's what they should do, and I'm hoping that's what they do. I completely agree. I'm worried they're going to say, "Okay, James, you're back. You're our guy." But in reality, like you said, they need to win games. They are like if Dirt Cutter starts out 0 and 4, 0 and 5, he might be gone by then. It's that bad. So it'd be interesting to see. Uh, a couple of other quarterbacks. The Buffalo Bills have named Nathan Peterman starting quarterback, and they will be waiting on Mr. Josh Allen a little bit longer, kind of as expected. Um, any quick hits on that one for you?
2: No, I, I, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's the Bills. It's it's the Bills' quarterback. It's it's not good.
1: Yeah, not Josh well. Allen's
2: eventually going to be the guy. It's just a matter of when.
1: Yep, I agree. Uh, Let's talk about the New York Jets. It came down about a half hour ago, right before we started recording. Sam Darnold will be the starting quarterback to start the year for the Jets. Out of all the rookie, especially first-round quarterbacks, he seemed the most likely to get the starting nod. Um, He's getting the job, but even with John, how do you look at that Jets offense? Because it's by no means pretty, but you'd imagine they're going to have to put up some points to, to hang in a lot of their games.
2: I was uh from a fantasy perspective, when you talk about Jets receivers, Robbie Anderson and Nunwa and Pryor, I would be more confident early on with Josh McCown. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some early growing pains, but Sam Darnold, he's going to he's going to flash and he's gonna show you why he's the best quarterback in my opinion coming out of the twenty eighteen class. But it's going to be early growing pains. And if people start panicking on a Robbie Anderson, you could buy him cheap.
1: Yeah, because I think Robbie Anderson is an, an insane talent. And he was fluctuating all over draft boards. I think a lot of it had to do with the quarterback's position. Because I'm with you. Last year, I, I streamed McCown a lot, especially during the last year. He was very serviceable, depending on your weeks. And a lot of that was because of Robbie Anderson, the report he had with Robbie Anderson. And then a new looked like a nice little piece of the puzzle. So I don't know where um, Darnold's going to fit in there. Obviously, they took him high for a reason. The pedigree's there. We'll just see if it uh, performs. Last piece of news I wanted to ask you about real quick, uh, at least for the first few weeks by Mark Ingram's out, the New Orleans Saints grabbed Mike Gillespie after he was released by the New England Patriots. Uh, any early week desires to have him on your roster?
2: No, he's only going to be on a team for a few days at this point.
1: So. Kind of how I was thinking. I was surprised uh, that – that they even picked him up. I figured they just roll with it and go with what they had, but they went that way. Let's talk about a couple running backs and re- receivers that may have gone undrafted, most likely went undrafted, and are worth keeping an eye on as early possible waiver wire pickups. We'll start with the running back position. Obviously, Alfred Morris is the talk of the town after the recent injuries, but outside of Alf, what are maybe a couple running backs that you've seen that go undrafted that you're, you're keeping an eye on? Cool.
2: You know, Frank Gore, he's going undrafting in a lot of leagues, and he's going to get touches. He's not just there to be a mentor. I think he could return some good fantasy value at 35 years old, especially if Kenyon Drake isn't what people think Kenyon Drake's going to be. Drake's on a short lease. leash.
1: Yeah, it is pretty crazy how short of a leash he's got after all that role he got last year, but the fact they brought Gore in and they're trying to do all that is uh... – pretty crazy when you really really think about that whole situation there let me talk to you about draft Draft draft.com draft in your app store is a great way to play fantasy sports and right now they have nfl best balls going and going strong go check it out it's a great way to play you draft you don't worry about it they take your best scores each week it's a ton of fun use promo code sd sports when you check out and you'll get entry into a free three dollar best ball tournament so go check it out Draft in your app store, draft.com, promo code SD Sports when you check out and enjoy a great, fun way to play fantasy sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Let's talk about the wide receiver position. It's usually a lot deeper than the running backs, of course. Um, what are some of the wide receivers that might not have got drafted that you're keeping an eye on? Like, heck, Brandon LaFell got signed by the Raiders today.
2: You know, I, I was pegging the Patriots to bring back LaFell because it seemed like for that short time LaFell was there or he was going to – he had a nice little thing going with Tom Brady, but uh, LaFell ended up in Oakland. Mm-hmm. But as far as undrafted receivers, if you're in PPR scoring formats, what about a, a Cole Beasley in Dallas? Yeah. Cole Beasley could see 100 targets this year, and he's not getting talked about anywhere. Cole Beasley – You know, he could be the top receiver target-wise while Alan Hearns gets the deep balls while Michael Gallup gets, gets acclimated with the pro game. But Cole Beasley is definitely somebody I'm taking a look at. Another one flying under the radar is a Trent Taylor in PPR scoring formats out in San Francisco. I think he can be very, very active. And how about a Philip Dorsett? The Patriots, if I read this right, are only going to carry three wide receivers in week one.
1: Which is pretty crazy.
2: And <laughs> Philip like, Dorsett, yeah. he was a former first-round pick. People forget that because he was a bust in, in Indianapolis. But if the Patriots are holding on to him and he's going to be in a featured role, I think Philip Dorsett is, is going to create quite a buzz. Mike Wallace with uh, Alshon Jeffrey out. Mike Wallace is somebody who can, who can get in a mix, even though I'm not very high on Nick Foles.
1: Yeah, I think Mike Wallace is a very good one this opening week for sure. Uh, there's a couple of others that on my first page on Fan Tracks of uh, free agents here, like Danny Amendola. Does he uh, get you at all in that offense? I know I know Tannehill could be very very bad at times, but similar to the Cole Beasley idea, he should get his attention there.
2: The only thing that worries me about Danny Amendola is his health. He's ha- had a very erratic health history, but if he's healthy. Yeah, I certainly think he's another player who can get 80 to 100 targets and be that Jarvis Landry.
1: Definitely. And then two other names that, that kind of stand out here, most of the ones you mentioned are right here on this first set of of players, but um, all up preseason we heard Ryan Grant from Indianapolis and Cortland Sutton from Denver, two big-time names. What are your thoughts on those two guys?
2: I'm very high on Ryan Grant. I, was, I, I liked him going to the Ravens before the, the failed physical debacle. But I think Indianapolis is a perfect landing spot. He's clearly ahead of Chester Rogers, the wide receiver, too. And I think he could be extremely active. There was that nice little spurt last year in, in 2017 where he had, it was a productive fantasy wide receiver after Terrell Pryor ended up being a bust. And Cortland Sutton, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Denver. With Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, I think Sutton is going to be that injury-dependent player who could go off once he finally gets his opportunity. Okay. To be honest, I didn't expect both Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas to return to Denver. I thought they would have moved yeah. on from from one of them.
1: Especially when they drafted Sutton. Absolutely. Sense. Yeah, But I think both those guys could be – I think Sanders could be in a huge role in that uh, offense. I Boy, don't
2: see it. I don't see it.
1: Felix Keenum loves yeah, those little passes. He loves those little passes. But uh, eh, we'll see. Maybe that whole offense just still – maybe it's a Denver thing, and it just doesn't matter who's quarterback. <laughs> but uh, at least they finally – for any Broncos fans out there, at least you finally trimmed the fat called Paxton Lynch. You wow. moved on. That's I'm a, a
2: Cowboys time. fan, and I think one of the best moves Jerry Jones made was not – Overextending and overpaying for Paxton Lynch in that in that uh, draft a few years ago. Well,
1: because he was supposed to, you know, as you know, that was the guy he wanted.
2: <laughs> of all the times to actually stand your ground and not overpay, yeah. this was the time not to do it. Yeah,
1: that's amazing. Good old Jerry. Um, yeah, that's good stuff there. Um, well, side note here, since you are the Cowboys mm-hmm. fan, I knew you were, and I see your desk and everything. What's your thoughts on Dak this year? Because I am torn in so many directions on him.
2: You know, in the first two seasons, Dak's been in the NFL. He's been an efficient quarterback. He's extremely, it's not even close, better with Ezekiel Elliott. He's better when Tyron Smith is on the field. And the one constant with Dak Prescott is his back-to-back years with six touchdowns on the ground. I think that raises his floor from a fantasy perspective, and and I have him ranked as my I, I believe QB twelve right now. I have him ranked one spot ahead of then Carson Wentz because Wentz is is essentially nothing on the ground where a Dak Prescott is. So even if Dak is 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 um, average or just above average throwing the ball. If he gets you another six touchdowns as a rusher, all of a sudden that's going to catapult his fantasy value into that fringe QB one range.
1: Okay. I can dig that.
2: And one, one more about the Dak Prescott situation is the fact that he no longer has Des Bryant or, or Jason Winton. While most people think that's a bad thing, I think that's an extremely good thing because both players in a Dak Prescott era, they haven't really done much. And aside from losing Jason Witten's leadership, I think the fact that you don't have the pressure of of passing the ball to a Diva receiver or a future Hall of Fame tight end, he can spread the ball around and play Dak Prescott football.
1: True. So I
2: think the, the addition by subtraction fits well here.
1: Yeah, and with especially Dez's case, not as much. Maybe what, you know more about Witten than I do. I just know him from – being a good fantasy tight end. Oh,
2: fame tight end, yeah,
1: he was amazing. But uh, with Des, we all know how diva he he was. It might be great for Dak to not have a guy coming into the huddle going, "Give me the damn ball!" Right? Like, like literally, just let me, just let Dak go make his reads. It'll be so much better that way. Let his talent play out. So, there's a lot to be said about that. I haven't heard that take yet, and that's a very good one because it's almost like, and you 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 read or listen or or pay attention to a lot of what's going on. You're like on one side of the fence or the other with Dak. He's either going to be horrible because the Cowboys offense offensive line has gone, blah, 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 blah. Or like what you said, maybe even more is like to another extreme, he's going to just take over, his legs are in play, and all kinds of stuff like that. So I just want to get your opinion as a a Cowboys fan that also analyzes fantasy football and how you approach him. Let's talk uh, – we're going to plant our flags on a couple guys. Can I take some long shot – um, not I'm not going to say bold predictions or anything like that, but um, we'll go position by position and kind of go for some guys that might not be in the top 10, top 15 of uh, certain positions that you still think are going to have huge years. Because so there's always a, a couple, and those are the guys that usually end you know, up helping you win a fantasy league. Um, when we talk quarterback position, give me one. We're, we're using fantasy pros ADP, but if you want to use your rankings or whatever, we can play around there. But after ADP 15 at the quarterback position, give me one that you th- – Think's going to finish inside the top 10 and, and, and have an impact for you.
2: Oh, outside the top 15, I have fantasy pros up right now. Uh, we just talked about Dak Prescott. He is one of them, but let me give you my other guy, and that's Blake Bortles.
0: Blake oh, Bortles could
2: very well, you know, light it up and finish as a top 10 quarterback. He finished as a QB four uh, three years ago. And everybody wants to knock Blake Bortles, but I believe, what, two out of the three years where uh, the past three seasons he's finished as a QB1. Blake Bortles is so undervalued, it's not even funny, and he's going as a QB20 right now in Fantasy Pros. And that's QB19. It's such a head-scratcher. I think it's because they're not the sexy names. I think because, you know, Blake Bortles, the king of garbage time. I remember everybody was calling him the king of garbage time but the last get deducted points for garbage time performance.
1: Exactly. Uh, Blake Bortles gets no love. I, I completely agree with you there. I think that's a, a great call on that and one. his couple-
2: weapons. They, they gave him more. They, yeah, you lose Marquise Lee and you lose Allen Robinson, but it just seems like he has weapons all over that offense.
1: He has a ton of weapons, which is very, very much overlooked. So I do like that. A couple that I, I kind of want to look at. Uh, Alex Smith, I think he's in for an interesting. I know he's. Some people hate him, but in this system with the weapons, I, I'm a big Jamison Crowder guy this year. I think he's going to be in for a big year in that in a PPR league especially. Um, he, we know Alex Smith loves the check down, but he can't throw the deep ball. I, I think the weapons are in play. If Jordan Reed can stay healthy, that'll be tremendous. That's a humongous if, as we know. But we saw what Alex Smith did last year. He was a top you know, two or three quarterback by season's end last year. Um not saying he could be that great, but he could definitely catapult up. Uh, a couple others, you know, People are big on Mariota. I could see it, but top ten, I could also see him. I'd rather, go, I'd rather go to Bortles. Let's put it that way. Um, question for you: What do you think about Mitchell Trubisky?
2: I'm not sold, and I know Mitchell Trubisky. They brought in all the talent. They brought in the receivers, Trey Burton. I love, but it just doesn't seem like Mitchell Trubisky is connecting to his outside targets. So it could mean he has a, you know, maybe a Trey Burton has a big year. I just don't trust Mitchell Trubisky as a quarterback yet.
1: Okay. Uh, give me your top overall quarterback that you have outside. We can even be your top five or, or fancy pros top five.
2: Top five.
1: ADP. So no Rodgers, Watson, Brady, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, anybody outside that. Who's your guy that if you're drafting and those guys are gone, who do you have to have after that? Kirk Cousins. I like that. Kirk like Cousins, that
2: my must-have quarterback.
1: I'm I have him,
2: quarterback. him right as my as my QB4 And a bold prediction I'm putting out there, and and one that I'm getting a little bit of feedback on, is that he'll throw for 5,000 yards this year. Everybody wants to bang the Dalvin Cook drum, but you don't realize is pro football focus has the Vikings offensive line ranked 28th. Mm -hmm. They have no depth. What makes everybody think that Dalvin Cook's all of a sudden going to return top five running back value, that's where some people are taking Dalvin Cook. It's crazy. They brought Kirk Cousins in. They're giving him this guaranteed money to throw the football.
1: Yeah, I don't understand that one at all. I'm a big Cousins. Guy. I like that a lot. I and mean, then the Dalvin Cook. I want nothing to do with him for where he's for where he's going. Completely faded yeah, him. I have zero. I have passed on Cook in multiple drafts. I'll go. I'll go take Melvin Gordon all day long over Dalvin Cook. Um, I don't understand the Cook thing. I think Latavius Murray still going to have a very big impact uh, on the offense. Me too. A very big impact. Me and let's, let's be real about it. See, they bring in Kirk Cousins, like he said. They have all the weapons in the past. I love Kyle Rudolph as a late tight end. You have all those weapons. Why a guy you just took with the first-round pick coming off an ACL injury, do you want to run into the ground right away? Explain that. Like, I, I don't understand the thought. People are like, oh, he's going to be a full-time back. Adrian Peterson did it in Minnesota, blah, blah, blah. I don't see it at all. I don't no, see it. I don't it need to. They, they and Adrian Peterson's
2: an all-world talent. Exactly.
1: But I've heard people use that argument. I just want to be like, you need to stop writing or whatever you're doing and walk out the room right now. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's talk, let's talk running backs. Let's talk Dalvin Cook. Um, let's go ADP top 20 on Fantasy Pros. Give me one guy outside of there, and number 21, at least where I'm looking right now, is the one I want. But give me one that you think will be a top 10 running back by season's end. Ah. <sighs> So probably a guy that you're getting around three or four that you think will be a top ten back.
2: Mm. You know, this is tough. If he can stay healthy, I think I'm all in on Rex Burkhead here. Like He's that it. type of player where if he play, gives you 14 to 16 games, how can he not be a top ten running back with the way that the New England Patriots are going to use him?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think Burkhead can be real big, especially in the PPR The one I'm looking at, and it's lazy because it's number 21, so it's right outside top 20, and maybe I'm buying too much into coach speak, but I I know the talent's there, and if he's going to be a three-down guy, like they say, Lamar Miller, I think, could have a huge year because he's way more of a passing back than people give him credit for. And um, you look at the stats when Watson was in the lineup last year when he wasn't – when Watson was in, Lamar was a, a top 10 back. He was a great running back, so I think he's in for a big year. But uh, obviously, he's got to play every down with with uh, Foreman going on the D or fuck you, on the pup list. That's going to be a huge. Start to the year, so I think it's really big.
2: Yeah, Lamar Miller is uh, very, very disrespecting the fantasy community.
1: Yeah, I've been getting him in the third round in a lot of drafts, early third round. and I just, I'll take that all day long. It's too easy for me. Uh, let's talk about a guy, a running back. Do you think would be a top ten running back for you? that's outside the Fantasy Pros top ten on ADP, and mine's Lamar Miller. I'll just go there right now.
2: So you want a top-ten running back outside the top-ten ADP. Uh, I like Jordan Howard here.
1: I love that one. That's a great one. Jordan
2: point. Howard's back-to-back years of, of, of running back one production. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the guy in Chicago despite Tara Cohen's presence. And even if he's not a three-down back like Matt Nagy is saying he's going to be, he wasn't a three-down back last year either, and he was still a fringe running back one or right on the cusp, I believe. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe he did finish, what, the RB12 in standard, RB11. So, yeah, Jordan Howard going to his third year. The Chicago Bears has a little bit of a passing game now. He'll see less loaded boxes. Jordan Howard's the guy. No, I, 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 like I know people love lot. mixing.
1: People love I mixing.
2: Get, which I get. <laughs> But Jordan Howard here, if you're going to ask me in standard Howard or Mixon, I'm going Howard, uh, you know, 70% of the time.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree there. I, I see the mix Mixon love, but he's way – he's that wild card, if you want to go gamble to me, where, where Howard's just – he's got that role. He's going to pound the rock. I, I completely agree with you on that one. Um, let's go to the wide receiver position. Outside ADP 20 on Fancy Pros, give me a top 10 wide receiver. And this can be interesting because wide receiver is quite deep. But uh, you kind of have to go on a limb here a little bit.
2: There's a lot of quarterbacks, I, I, or wide receivers that I like in that range. I'm actually more in favor of those middle-round receivers than I am, you know, the second and third-round wide outs. But man, Marquise Goodwin. <laughs>
1: that's exactly why. I, <laughs> <the,
2: laughs> I love it. The more I see Marquise Goodwin play in his rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo build, and now there's no more Jarek McKinnon. That's more passing situations. You know, Marquise Goodwin could very well finish as a top 10 wide receiver. I know that's a long shot, but top 20 is almost a lock.
1: I completely agree. Yeah, I have Goodwin down. We saw the rapport last year, and I know the arguments. Pierre Garcelin wasn't there, but we've seen it even in camp this year. And, and, and you know, everyone talks about the way they Jimmy G and Goodwin, are, what they're building together, how they're hanging out together. There is something to be said about a young quarterback and his favorite weapon. I think he's going to be in for a big year. And I agree that Jarek McKinnon things tremendous, and the fact that if someone's going to get those passes definitely could be a good ones. So I think he's in for a big, big year. And that's the guy I had down. Um, give me a guy that maybe you know ranked around between like say twelfth and eighteenth or so that you think can be a top ten back. So anybody after ADP ten that'll be a top ten wide receiver. I mean,
2: I want to say, is it lazy to say Stefan Diggs?
1: No, that's like what I did with Lamar Miller earlier. I get it. I, when I looked at the rankings, he's sitting there at eleven, and that's just like too easy. But uh, yeah, it's that that counts. You
2: know, you bring uh, Stefan Diggs into the conversation, depending on on what ADP are looking at. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I think T.Y. Hilton's going to come out of, of nowhere. People forget how effective he was with with Andrew Luck. T.Y. Hilton is another uh, wide receiver you can get in the second or even third round with wide receiver one upside. And and Stefan Diggs, I'm taking him all day over Adam Thielen. I know Adam Thielen had the targets last year, but he was so ineffective in the red zone. Stefan Diggs was the top-ranked wideout in contested balls. And he is uh, he is the red zone target in Minnesota as far as wide receivers.
1: No, I like it a lot. Uh, you know, if you just want to be Mr. Comfortable and Reliable, if you're seeing a PPR, Fitzgerald will be there over and over for you. But uh, I like the Diggs call. That's a very, very good one indeed uh not looking at adps or anything what's one of the late round tight ends if you're not getting one of the big guys what's one that you're targeting late in your drafts if you still need to grab a tight end oh
2: uh there's only one answer for me it's ben watson
1: i'm all, all over Ben. Watson reliable reliable.
2: you know the last time he was in new orleans caught 80 passes then he had the injury and then last year with the Ravens, he led them in receiving and now he's back with Drew Brees in an offense, uh, you know that he's comfortable in. Beat writers are saying that he still looks like he's in his prime. I think Ben Watson at a, a no-risk ADP could uh, could really help fantasy teams, especially yeah, like, if you if you just do not address the position for the first ten rounds. Keep going; you might as well not take one in the tenth round and just take Ben Watson late.
1: No, I agree. It's like you got the top three. You kinda of got a middle there, like where I said I like earlier, I like I like Rudolph. But then after that, I'm waiting. I think Watson's a good late one. I like uh Njoku late, but he's kind of getting inflated thanks to hard knocks. I think he could have a lot of fun in that offense. But uh moral of the story, similar to the quarterback position at tight end, don't get crazy. You can there's so much depth there, you can just wait, you can stream if you need to. Tons of options. Um one last question here defense, and most people don't care about defense, and I understand if you don't play in a league with defense, you're probably very smart. But um, last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars, to some, people saw it coming. Some, it came out of nowhere. Um, I was on the Ravens last year. I like the Ravens again this year. What's a defense you're looking at to maybe have a big year that might not be on the radar?
2: I know a defense that I'm comparing to the Jaguars of last year could be the Los Angeles Chargers. But, you know, I think they're an obvious pick. Somebody outside the top ten – It's Tough, uh, you know, could the Bears do it now that they have Khalil Mack? They were a sneaky, sneaky, good defense last year, and Mm -hmm. now you bring a playmaker like Khalil Mack in, he could really, uh, you know, turn heads. What about the Texans returning to form?
1: That's another one top
2: ranked defense a few years ago, and all of a sudden, a healthy JJ Watt. I know he's lost a step, but they have Whitney Merciless, they They have the Honey
1: Badger, The Honey Badgers in town.
2: So this is going to be a different defense and and what about the Honey Badgers former team? I don't think what they did this preseason was much of an anomaly. Buda Baker is going to come in and fill that role and and that's just another playmaker with Patrick Peterson in Arizona. I think that's that that that's the defense I'm going to go with here, the Arizona Cardinals.
1: I like that a lot. I think, you know, the Rams defense is going to be insane that especially that defensive line. That's going to be ridiculous, but we hope, the, we hope. that's true. That's true. Um you're you taking knows. a
2: Yankees approach.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't always work. Um, I think Arizona's a great call. That's one thing they do there. And, you know, if, if they're going to run out there with a quarterback like Sam Bradford, who can get it done but by no means flashy, they want to play defense. They want to slow the game down. They want to they want to play 13-10 to football. That's what they want. And they've done that in the past. Uh, it used to be when all four teams in the NFC West had a defense. Now it's only pretty much one. So I, I like that call a lot. Uh, I had the Ravens and Chargers written down. I think the Texans, that's been my argument all offseason for not, well, one of my many arguments, but my final argument on not going high under Sean Watson is most of his production came in shootouts because they were behind. This year, that defense with a healthy J.J. Watt, with Tyron Matthew, you know, there's so many pieces you mentioned that are there. I think they're going to be in a lot more football games, a lot more tight football games. Um, imagine like those, we saw shootouts between them and the Jags last year. I'd be shocked if we saw shootouts between them and the Jags this year. Like that week one game was ridiculous. (laughs) I don't think we see that again. So I like those calls a lot. I think uh, the moral of the story is you you can wait on uh, defense as well.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, That should wrap it up for what I have on here. Um, Thanks for joining me, Anthony. Uh, Why don't you let everybody know what you got going on, where they can find you, how they can listen to you, all that good stuff.
2: Well, I'm a co-host of the FF off that's – uh, at FFFACEOFF all over social media. Uh, you can find us on YouTube and also wherever, uh, you can host a podcast. We're at all the top podcast providers. And we do two shows a week, usually Tuesdays and Thursdays. And if there's any scheduling changes, we will announce that on the show or on social media. And I'm also a head writer at Red Iron Experts. I just did a, a big 32-team sleeper piece, one sleeper from each team. And I also do a signature uh, weekly sleepers article that uh, usually is published, I would say, late Thursday, early Friday uh, for every, seat, every week uh, in the NFL season. And my personal Twitter handles at the Real NFL Guru. My DMs are open. You can tweet at me. I do any type of, you know, I'll answer all your fantasy questions, anything you want to talk about. I'm always quick, or I try to be quick to respond.
1: Yeah, a really good guy in the industry. Go check him out. Their show's a lot of fun, too. They have a good little camaraderie back and forth. So go check out everything that Anthony and the guys do over there, FF Face Off and the Gridiron Experts. And Anthony, again, thanks for joining me, man. Really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 119. Catch you guys next time.